On this week's Movie Hilo, we're talking DeLoreans, flux capacitors, and 1.21 gigawatts. When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're going to see some serious shit. This is Robert Zemeckis' Back to the Future. I just made us some delicious cocktails. My mother is um, a diet cocaholic, um, always has been, and a friend of hers found this drink called the G's Louise, which oddly enough looks like a Diet Coke. And it was just funny because her name is Louise and she loves Diet Coke. So I tried to make it and I think it's pretty not bad. I'm not a big fan of Amaro's personally. It's not my go-to necessarily, but I think I'm gaining an appreciation for them. So I made this delightful cocktail for us to try tonight. And I am having a neat whiskey because we've been watching Mad Men. And uh, it just it with no ice. It just made me want to eat whiskey, and they're yeah. very good. It's meant for sipping. It's meant for sipping. I remember the days when I used to drink Canadian Club like that back in um, Malden. Yeah, I was smoking, drinking those. We were bad. We were bad kids. I was really bad. I was smoking a lot of cigarettes too. Yeah. I think it was Camel Lights at the time. Yeah, I remember smoking cigarettes for like on and off for like maybe like two or three years, and then I and then I was done with it. But you didn't. You you smoked for a little bit longer than I did. Yeah. But it's not, it's a bad habit. I think it was a bit of a rebellious phase for me. Yeah. We lived in kind of a shitty apartment, so it didn't matter if it smelled like smoke. But for those of you who are interested, oops, Jesus. <laughs> I'm just cheersing with the uh, mic stand. That's all. Um, for those of you that are interested in the cocktail recipe, it is an ounce and a half of Amaro Averna or a comparable Amaro, darker in color, richer in flavor, half an ounce of Chinar Amaro. Three quarter ounces of fresh squeezed lime juice, three quarter ounces of triple sec with a hard shake, strain over fresh ice, and top with soda water. I topped ours with tonic water because we had some extra tonic water to get rid of. So it adds just a tiny bit of sweetness and a little bit of quinine, which is good to ward off malaria and the mosquitoes that harbor malaria. And apparently, it's actually the reason that tonic water was originally drank. Isn't coronavirus also quinine? Isn't that what they're saying? That Well, it's in tonic water, so there you go. What's the difference between tonic water and soda water? Soda water is just carbonated water. And what's Seltzer tonic water. water. Tonic water has quinine and, and sugar in it. Oh. I think there's 80 calories a can of the little tonic Those waters. little cans? Yep. That's 80 calories yeah, in that sugar little can? It. It's, it's like, it's all, honestly, it's kind of like Sprite without the lemon lime flavor. It's, it's sugary soda, basically, but it's also got quinine in it. What's the point? Because it mixes well with drinks. But the original purpose of it, as with bitters, were meant for medicinal purposes. So there was certain Bartending alcohol. fun facts with D. There was certain... I know we should have I'm still people. waiting for New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc to come... I know. Big Sauvignon Blanc is going to be knocking down the movie <laughs> high Sauvignon low door Blanc. at some point, for sure. Um, hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Movie High Low, a podcast discussing the best and worst that cinema has to offer. I'm Dom. This is D. And... This week, we are, uh, we've hit a milestone, I would say, for this week. We are on episode 12, 12, 1, 2, um, a dozen, a baker's dozen. Is a baker's dozen? A baker's dozen, 13. Is that really? Yes, a baker's okay. dozen is 13. Okay. Why Why does a baker's dozen have to be 13? It must be like the bonus they one, get you know what I mean? You dozen, yeah, an extra one because I like it. Yeah, right. I'm not sure exactly why. It's the extra, but it's an extra. It's right. it's thirteen. The baker's so, dozen is thirteen. So just a layman's dozen is where we're at. You know right what's now. funny though, too. Speaking of that, I've been making some, um, like, some delicious Mexican food this week that I've been trying to get adventurous with some of the different recipes I've been making because we're all quarantined and staying home, which means cooking most of the time. And I've made quesadillas and enchiladas, so I've got a few extra tortillas than I need. But the packages say eight tortillas per pack. And guess what? Guess how many there are in each pack? Eight? Nine. 
So there's a... It's like a baker's eight. I don't know. I mean, it's they have an extra one. And then there's meatballs that I've gotten before, like the fast ones that are already pre-made just for a fast weeknight meal when you don't want to make it all from scratch. Um, I think it's the Shady Brook Farms or whatever. The turkey meatballs, a lot of times it's supposed to be, I think, 12 in there. Yeah, and they always have an extra one. And it's so weird. is it? Is it? It's is almost it like, like here you go. Here's a bonus one because we like you. But or, or is it? Is it more that like they think that they almost always have an extra one? In there. Maybe the packaging people screwed up, or they think that you're going to screw up, and they're like, you need this. I think extra. it's more of a bonus one. Like here you go because you're buying our product. It's like a bonus one. Wow. You know what I mean? Like right. I don't know. I I have to imagine that's sort of the rationale behind it. I guess it makes sense. Well, we're on episode twelve, and we have hit one of my all time all-time favorite movies, probably my favorite movie um, that we've reviewed so far as far as high movies go, uh, and that is this week we are doing Back to the Future, directed by Robert Zemeckis, released on July 3rd, 1985. As said, it's a high episode. Says who? Uh, IMDb right now. July 1985? July 3rd. So July, the day before. Two months before I was born. The, late, the day before 4th of July, that's right, 1985. And a year and a month after you were born. Yep, year and a month after I was born. Um, high episode says who 8.5 on IMDb puts into the top 100 at number 38. It's got a 96% rating on Rotten Tomatoes nominated for four Oscars. One, one should have been nominated for way more and one way more in my opinion. Um, I think, do you, all right, so let me ask you a question. Do you remember the first time you saw this movie? The exact first time. I'm sure it was on TV with my family or something like I, you know. See, I remember. I like literally remember the first time I ever yeah, saw this one movie. Of your favorite movies. And like this, I think this is probably the most influential movie of my lifetime. Is this? Is this film? Right. It may, it may not be my all time favorite. In your top ten. Well, it's definitely it's definitely in my top ten. It may not be my most all time favorite movie, and it may not even be the movie that. That was that. My stomach, I think. Oh. I'd like you to make your actual, not top, I want you to make it like your top 100 or whatever, like your favorite movies. Yeah. Because I feel like there's so many times we're watching things, you're like, oh, this is definitely a top 10. Oh, this I is, know. and it's like, I wonder what really ranks there. I know. It's hard. So it's, I can hold you to it and be like, oh, yeah. And then I can look at it and be like, oh, actually, you ranked this at this, you know what I mean? Well, I feel like that would take you a long time to probably devise your exact. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like it's kind of constantly shifting and evolving and moving. I mean, there's there's certain ones that will kind of stay with me forever. This movie, though, like for me, I think it's like the most... Because, because I saw it at the specific age that I was, like this specific movie at a specific time, I think this is the thing that kind of really shaped me or at least made me kind of discover uh my love of films and then eventually filmmaking you know there were there were other movies that I saw as I got older that made me think oh I can be a filmmaker but this was the first movie that I think I I remember like feeling something and being like oh movies are a thing this is mm. this is like a passion this is something that I can be a nerd about uh, so but this it was is, also whenever you first discovered it was also years after like I mean we weren't we were you were born in 84 I was born in 85 so it's like we were too young when it first came out to like really yeah no but I at didn't, the same time so whenever you discovered it it, had it was home been, video yeah it wasn't it was I didn't see it in a movie it theater. wasn't like it just come out but at the same no. time you, it still resonated with you you still connected to it on a, a level that well the first time I, I remember seeing it the first time I remember seeing it was in my grandparents living room and I, I, I can remember like the dimensions I can remember where the TV was where the couch was I very vividly remember the experience of seeing this movie for the first time just because of how much of an impact it had on me and like continues to have on me even when I rewatch it it's never it's never gotten old it's never gotten boring it's never um I, I, I 
sort of look back at my life and can especially rewatching, I can pinpoint the things that this movie the ideas that this movie gave me are like certain influences that carried throughout mm-hmm. the rest of my life. So it's one of those things that it's just like a very powerful movie for me. I mean, it's just it in my... It certainly had probably just as much, if not more, of an influence on um, your exposure to Huey Lewis in the news as American Psycho. <laughs> yeah, definitely more. <laughs> definitely more. That's the power of love. So for anyone who's never seen the movie, if you if you live under a rock and you've, and you've never been exposed to this movie, uh, quick synopsis. Marty McFly is your typical skateboarding, guitar-playing 80s teenager whose life is turned upside down when he is accidentally sent back in time to 1955. Completely out of his depth and plutonium, Marty must track down his friend and time machine inventor Dr. Emmett Brown, who informs him that only a single bolt of lightning can generate a reaction strong enough to send him home. On top of that, Marty has also interfered with his parents' meeting and now endangered his very own existence. Will Marty be able to play matchmaker to his horny mom and hopeless pop while helping Doc Brown harness a lightning strike from the old clock tower into the flux capacitor? Or is this Irish bug out of time for good? <laughs> the Irish bug? <laughs> um, <laughs> so there's a lot of ground to cover. Um, I think mostly going to be highs, obviously, because this is... One of the greats. What do you? What, what's like some of the first stuff you got written? Well, down? the first thing I have written down is from the opening scene where Marty's inside Doc's barn, his laboratory, if you will, um, and he's got the pictures of to- the portraits, rather, of Thomas Edison, Benjamin Franklin, and the dish that says Einstein. And it's funny because you know it's it's his influences or his heroes, if you will. But also, um, Thomas Edison was my father's hero growing up. I told you about that, like always Thomas Alva Edison but it just I liked that element of it because you know I knew who they were when I saw their portraits and I'm like oh that makes sense that he you know I mean Benjamin Franklin much about a renaissance man he was like the Leonardo da Vinci of his time I mean there was nothing he didn't do he invented fucking musical instruments atop scientific um exploration and um politics and literature philosophy he was one of the founding fathers mathematician I mean he did everything Brilliant man, Benjamin Franklin. And then, of course, Einstein, as you know, who was actually a subpar student in school and then later became a genius because of his theory of relativity. Um, that was the first high. I, don't know, I liked that. It was just the beginning. I mean, I love, I love that opening shot, too, um, with all the clocks. I like that Marty hooks up his electric guitar to the amp and puts it into overdrive, which is how I felt when you were testing the audio and the feedback came blaring through these headphones and I almost ripped them off my head. Actually, I did rip them off. He's got, head. like, this little guitar, too. It's like the It's like this little mini guitar. Yeah. I love that opening shot with like the the tracking shot that's just going through all the clocks. Yeah. And then you see all like the like toaster just that makes all the crazy. Yeah. The, the toaster is just like been like burning the toast, just like <laughs> refrying it like over and over and over again. It's going to set a fire at some point. And then he's got like the mechanical arm that's supposed to be pouring out Einstein, his, his dog's food. And you just see it's like the dish that's just overflowing with slop, you know. It's Poor like, Einstein. It's, I don't like that he has Einstein get in that car like he's a test monkey or something. He's fine. He's going to be fine. I still don't like that. Um, I, you know what? That's that's my low. That's one of my lows right there. I yeah. didn't like that. I should have written that down. I didn't even think because there's so many things I love about well, the movie. But that's definitely a low for me. I don't like... He should have put himself in that car or anybody. Put your fucking beloved dog in there. Why? So if something happens, oh, well, the dog got killed. No big deal. Like, I mean... I don't like that. Well, I think it's more about the fact that Doc has to be there to give us the exposition Then why the can't story. you send... Marty or anyone in there besides because, Einstein besides because Doc has to be telling Marty what's happening so that we the audience can have the exposition so that we understand there's a to lot me, of technical it looks stuff like that he's ha- putting his dog's life in danger but he knows what's going to happen I think he knows all right uh, he didn't know because then the Libyans came 
okay, well, he didn't know that, but we're getting way ahead of ourselves. Um, let me let me throw my first high out there, and then I'm sure you've probably got notes on this, and we can talk a little bit more about it. The first high of the movie, as far as I'm concerned, are the characters, the, the duo of Marty McFly and Doc Brown. Mm-hmm. For my money, like, there's not a better cinematic duo in movies than Marty McFly yeah no not even close to (laughs) not even close to Doc Brown and and Marty McFly I know I know it's not the same dynamic duo but Batman and Robin no no and and you wouldn't even you wouldn't even initially think movies when you think Batman and Robin because they they originate from comic books Frodo and Sam (laughs) they originate from a book I don't, I mean, yeah, I mean, you, you could do this all think day. other duos. I don't think, I think that's, they're Bill like, and Ted? they're the, no. Wayne and, not, and Garth? They're not better than Doc and Marty. I think of them. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. I mean, listen, it's, it's, sub, it's a subjective opinion, but I would just say for my money, there isn't a better two-hander than Marty and Doc. They are, they are the ultimate. Two-hander kind of sounds like you're a stranger. <laughs> <laughs> what if you set on both of your hands and then. Yes, that's a stranger. Very, it's that's a double good. stranger, right? That's good. Um, <laughs> You're not going to keep this in there. I, I, I'm probably going to have to. <laughs> I, I'm getting tired of editing this shit, so I think I think we're going to have to go warts and all with this one. Um, Marty McFly, for me, uh, growing up, like as a kid seeing this when I was five years old, the first time I saw this movie, he liked to find what cool was, like mm. skateboarding, guitar, video camera, um, you know, Michael J. Fox is the fighting one. the big guys like David and Goliath. Yeah, he, he had he had the cool laid back attitude. I mean, that's the thing too. I mean, this is this is something that's widely known now. Um, but you know, Michael J. Fox was not the original Marty McFly. In fact, they filmed for five weeks with Eric Eric Stoltz. Eric Stoltz. Yeah, You're so welcome. they filmed for five weeks with Eric Stoltz and replaced him because. Same thing with the girlfriend. They had the girl from um, that plays Jan in the office. No, she was up for the role. She didn't. Oh. She wasn't cast. But I'm saying Eric Stoltz like played this I character. They shot shit with her in it. No, because okay. Eric Stoltz. They they shot five weeks. They shot like half the movie mm-hmm. or more than half the movie with this character, and eventually made the decision to say like we're going to scrap all this material, bring in Michael J. Fox, and reshoot basically half the. I mean, I can't even imagine the. I mean. The, the scheduling setback, the amount of money that gets set back, but the point, but the idea was that he was playing it too, too stoic or too earnest or too, uh, like there, there wasn't that element that, that would draw the audience into Marty McFly mm-hmm. because the way Michael J. Fox plays it is so, um, like kind of, I'm just a kid in suburban America. He's, he's like yeah. partially laid it's back, believable. but he's also partially wide eyed. He kind of has the right partially temperament. Clumsy. Yeah. yeah. He's just got kind this, of the, um, the, what do you call it? The, the misfit type a little bit, you know, doesn't entirely fit in, you know, the audition. That's the next high I had when, you know, Mar- um, Huey Lewis is conducting the auditions and stuff. Oh, it's good. You're just too dang loud. And yeah, you know, doesn't quite fit the mold, but it's also like he's, he's, the way that he's playing the character, like it would be very easy to see this character be overly dramatic or put upon. Like if you think about all the shit with, you know, at the very beginning of the movie when he's kind of like taking it on the chin with everything and like, dad, you know, you promised me the car. Like you could see that be, if that wasn't played with the exact right temperament that it could come off as either like whiny or, or, um, you know, just too dr- over dramatic. He strikes the right balance of, of just playing it to, to, a comedic effect but it's not overly comical it's not overly dramatic he just he just finds the exact right tone that i think it's easy for people to like imprint themselves on as like oh i get marty mcfly like i i, I get where this guy's coming from and it could have easily also been just kind of like a really kind of stereotypical shitty 
80s teenage kid. You know, I, I, I don't, I, it's, it's, I've seen the movie so many times and I can't quite articulate what it is that he's doing know, in the performance that's, that's so it's the called, right note. It's what the French call that certain je ne sais quoi. Je ne sais quoi. It's, he's just. I don't know what. He's the best. And then Doc Brown is just one of the, I can't, I honestly don't know if I can think of a more iconic movie character yeah, than Doc Brown. Boyd, I know. Just that like complete lunatic. Um, well, it's funny speaking of Robert Zemeckis and, and, and Who Framed Roger Rabbit, Christopher Lloyd was um, the judge in that. Yes, yeah. So. And scared the shit out of me as a kid, too. I talked. <laughs> as a kid, that scared the shit out of me. And I actually, as a kid, I always I always thought I was going to die laughing like one of the hyenas. I really thought that could happen. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Doc Brown, just one of the greatest characters. He's got like this, his his dialogue, he's got some of the funniest fucking lines ever in, in in movie history like the the when he when he refers to the enchantment under the sea dance as a rhythmic ceremonial ritual <laughs> and yeah. and then there's the whole scene later when he's um when he's showing marty when the, when they're planning how they're going to get how they're going to harness the energy from the lightning bolt into the flux capacitor and he's got the entire model built and he says the thing where he's like please excuse the crudity of this model i didn't have time to build it to scale or to paint it it's good oh thank you thank you it's like he went to all this trouble to build this whole thing to just show him this one example and it's and it's not built to scale or painted please pardon that you know know. he just everything the guy says is is like comic genius and i don't know that you could get a a guy better than christopher lloyd to play that you know definitely not there it's unlikely it's it's in a time when you know the idea of an older secluded man reclusive man you know wasn't didn't have this sort of stigma attached to it like oh yeah what's 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 this 17 why is he running this guy's house after school you know in his barn (laughs) you know it was much more innocent times (laughs) wasn't it you would never you would never even think that there was anything weird about that relationship um Yeah, I guess that's. True. I like it when he goes when he first gets back, and then I did fifty five, and he finds Doc, and he got that weird helmet on, and the way he that, answers the, the door. face, the face he makes when he opens the door. And I like when he goes, "Great Scott, Great Scott." Even beyond Marty and Doc, I would say another high in the movie is that there's not. I I, I wrote this down. There's not a single wasted character. Every character in the movie, no matter how ancillary or how how small, or even if they're just in it very very, you know, briefly, they're they're all kind of great and memorable characters. Well, the thing about actually specific about all the characters that I wrote as a high too was that I love that they all originate in this town. It's like, it's... Hill Valley. Every, yeah. You know, it's not anybody from out of town or from across the sea. Like, it's just the story of the people in this town. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, it's, and it adds to the way the movie feels. Yeah. It feels like a small town through the span of decades and how people's lives changed and, you know, the um the mayor... Mayor! What's Goldie his name? Wilson. Goldie Wilson, right. Yeah, you know that whole thing is cute. You know, you can be married someday. Yeah, you know, that's a good idea. Right. George McFly, Lorraine Baines, Biff Tannen—like, there's not a single wasted character. And Biff mm-hmm. obviously is a high of the movie because mm-hmm. he's like one of the ultimate. To make like a tree and get the hell out yeah, of here. Yeah, one of the ultimate movie bullies of all time. Yeah, um, I do like when he walks into the the malt shop. It's a malt shop, right? That's like the '50s thing. The malt yeah. shop. Like a place you get a root beer float and shit and mm-hmm. dance fucking with your poodle skirt and mm-hmm. the jukebox. Um, when he walks in, I think it's when he's first introduced. He walks in and he's like, McFly! And they both turn around because it's him and his yeah, dad. Yeah, there. yeah, yeah. I like that. They, they both turn around, you know Once what I mean? back in 55. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, so th- the other thing that we got to we gotta just pause and talk about is the DeLorean. Mm-hmm. The, the con- I, I know that the original script... Is um, airplane with? 
without wings. Yeah, well, the design of the car, and, and you know, obviously, like the DeLorean was was discontinued, and all the crazy shit that happened with that. Was it discontinued before this movie? You know, I don't know. That's a really good like, question. Because, like, I bet if it was, like, this movie made it, like, back on de- in demand well, again. that's a really good... You know, it's demand. funny. As much as as much as I love the DeLorean, I don't... I don't really know. I, I have to imagine it might have been discontinued. I really don't know. That's fucked up. That's research that I should have done. I remember done. there was one person on the news, like, over 10 years ago, buying all these random parts to recreate the DeLorean, like, to make... Oh, it. there's 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 tons of collectors. There's people. I mean, people have owned DeLoreans and they've got it but all like tricked out. But like, bought separate parts to make their own. Yeah, build their own. DeLorean. Yeah, and then you see people who have it all tricked out to look yeah. exactly like the time yeah. machine with the flux capacitor and everything. Um, but just just the idea of making the DeLorean the time machine. And there's earlier drafts of the script where it's not a car. It's not a DeLorean. It's not even a vehicle. It's it's like I, I forget. I mean, there were so many different drafts of the, of the script, but I remember. That there were there were drafts where it was like Coca Cola was the secret ingredient that powered it. Like it was kind of I think it may have even been a telephone booth, and I think that they scrapped that, and then eventually the telephone booth is like what what they use in Bill and Ted. Um, but the DeLorean is just such an iconic image. Just the way that that car mm. looked, the, the way the doors open on the yeah, side. it's just it just. I, 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 could I think not, an IROC is probably the next closest thing. <laughs> oh, it would have been so awful. That would have been terrible. I'm joking. It's like, it's like I, I honestly don't think that's one of those things that there, it could not be subbed out for anything else. You could not have replaced the DeLorean with any other car or any other device to, mm-hmm. to I mean, it's there's something so perfect about, about the I do way love the scene where um, he crashes into the barn and when he's first entering yes. upon 1955 and the family kind of wanders into the barn like, what was that? And then that's what the line was, was I think it was the father that said, it's a space or it's, um, it's an airplane without wings. And then the little boy goes, no, it's not. And he pulls out the comic book and it's like a flying saucer. And yeah. it's like, but it's, it's also during a time when comic books were kind of starting to become, mm-hmm. I mean, in those days it was like, that's what little boys like. They liked comics, they're collecting baseball cards. You know what I mean? It was like that era. So it's, it's funny to me. It's like, no, it's not. And then he shows him this, the sci-fi comic. And then I also love, he gets of the up, sci-fi he's got, got the radiation suit on. Yeah. And he's like, he's like, he's going to mutate in the human form. Right. Take that, you mutated piece of shit. But I like that. I don't even know if I wrote it down as a high, but it's making me think of it now with the whole sci-fi angle is when, um, he's, meets his father, you know, back in 1955 and he's trying to convince him to go to the Enchantment Under the Sea or to ask Lorraine to it and all this and that and he's all, you know, wimping out about it and then he convinces him that, or he calls in the middle of the night pretending to be some like evil alien He's trying guy. to be Darth Vader. He's, he's, yeah, exactly. He's, he's, like, using, he's using all these like... And he believes it though. Right, but he's and using... And he looks at his comic, he's like, because this is a time when like that's what kids probably kind of not believed in, but like that was their escape from reality was their comics and stuff. All the stuff that Marty's saying are like, are like pop culture references. He's like, my name is Darth Vader. I come from the planet Vulcan. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. it's all sci-fi references mm-hmm. that George hasn't caught up to yet in, in time. You know what I mean? They, they come from Marty's day, That's gonna not George's me now, day. I don't know what that show is. The, the thing, the thing that I really love about this movie, and I think, you know, I wouldn't, to call anything a perfect movie, I think is 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 hyperbolic. Um, but the thing that that's so great about this movie is the stakes that they establish. And and what I mean by that is that there's you know just just the a plot right, just the conflict of a kid who gets sent back in time and he can't get home without a near impossible act of God. You know that would be enough 
as far as like having a, having a, a, a concept and a conflict for our protagonist to have to overcome, right? But on top of that, on top of the A plot of Marty's sent back in time and he's got to get home, you then get the B plot of, you know, not only does he interfere with the chain of events that leads to his parents meeting, but he redirects his mom's affection at him. I know. Which, so which is, Calvin. it's, it's but Your name, I never met a guy with purple underwear. I, I think, <laughs> especially like watching it now as an adult, like I remember watching it as a kid and it's like you, like you're, you're getting it, but it like the, the depth of it is not, it's lost on you. You don't realize how really f- fucked up that is. Mm. Um, but I really think just rewatching it, it's like, like reverse Oedipus. But it's, but it's really, ballsy that a mainstream movie you know that that not necessarily was made for kids but is intended for kids to be able mm-hmm. to watch had that as a central right. conflict in it like right. that that's actually that they had the balls well, I like to when go she finally there. kisses him she like just stops she goes it's like kissing my brother yeah. it's like yeah. yeah but i always boy thought, you don't even know <laughs> i know but it's 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 such an interesting if you think about it it actually kind of in a weird way i know it's gross but in a weird way it kind of makes sense because if you think about the fact that you know George McFly is the person that she eventually that she did fall in love with and and have kids with, and even in in, in this version of the story, eventually does fall in love with. So she's going to have some attraction to George McFly. Marty is a an amalgamation of George McFly, the guy that she eventually falls in love with, and herself. Mm-hmm. So in a weird way, the attraction kind of makes sense in a weird. You know what I'm saying? Like it makes sense that she would be attracted to someone who's half the man that she falls in love with and half herself. Yeah. You know, right? Oh, it does. Does that does that? Am I talking on my ass? No, of course, no. It does make sense. Um, another thing I wrote down that I it was, I don't want to get too far away from the beginning of the movie because it's kind of the beginning of the movie that I'm. Is there something else you want to no, say? No, I was just gonna. There was one other thing okay. I, I was gonna add to it was it was to say like, and then even even beyond the B plot of or the B conflict of you know, so you've got Marty's got to get home. Marty's sent back in time and he can't get home. A a conflict. B conflict, he's he's um, endangered his own existence by stopping his parents from meeting and now making his mom attracted to him. And then C conflict, he's got a he he's he's got a he wants to warn Doc about his impending death. Mm-hmm. You know the fact Olivians. that Doc has been gunned down in the future, and and he's now got to not only deal with trying to get back home, trying to get his parents back together, but also trying to find a way to be able to warn Doc to not get killed when they get back to the future. And he doesn't want to know. It's like the the stakes are, they just mount and mount and mount and there's so much kind of stuff for Marty to have to do for this all to go right in the end. You know, and it's, it's, like I said, there's not a moment that's wasted. The script is just so tightly written and and they've got... That's what makes it such a multifaceted story. I mean, that's what makes it great is yeah. all those different angles and that the stakes are always like you said they're always evolving but it's also always keeping you like oh no what if this happens and that's the whole point to yeah. keep us in suspense or to keep us on the edge of our seats mm-hmm. one of the things I wanted to say before I get too much away from it because it's sort of the beginning of the movie and I don't want to get too carried away and then I want to go back to the beginning of the movie again but one of the things I liked was the scene where he's riding through the town on his skateboard and he's like hitched to the back of a truck and like that's how he gets around is like he just like puts his hands on the back of a truck and like wheels himself around yeah. else. I'm like yeah because I just think of a world like if that was today like somebody would be like dead stopping and try to beat you with a baseball bat or something. <laughs> I don't know they'd be like what the fuck are you doing get off my car 
But then I like how in that same scene, it's like he's with his girlfriend or whatever. And doesn't she like write down her phone number or something? Yeah. Why would you write down your phone number if you're already going out? Well, she was going, she was staying at her grandmother's house that night. Maybe that's what it was. And then the number, of course, was a 555. And I was just laughing about mm-hmm. that because that was like a thing back in the day. And I don't know if they still do that in movies, but that was always the thing back in the day. It was like anytime you saw a phone number, it was 555. And yeah, because some idiot's going to triangle yeah, that number. That's what happens. I don't know if they still do that on do, TV you know, you know, You know when the last time I remember, <laughs> no, the last time I remember reading about that was I think when that when Bruce Almighty came out right um, it was a real phone number there was a scene where Bruce Almighty um, gives his phone number or Jim Carrey's character gives his phone number to somebody and it wasn't a 5-5 number oh my god this is God no 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 there was some there was some there was there was some poor old woman in Florida that the weekend that that movie came out like called the newspapers and was like crying saying like I've gotten in the past two days like you know, 779 phone calls of people asking for God. Like, why is this happening to me? Right, exactly. Like, the poor thing. Like, and she probably had no idea, of course, what's going on. No, why are people calling my house every five seconds asking for God? So that's why they have to do 555 because people are fucking idiots and they will try to call a number that they see in a movie. Um, Yeah. The, you know, the other thing is, um, and I, I don't think we can go by without commenting on Alan Silvestri's score. Of course not. Right? I keep saying favorite of all time, but really like the Alan Silvestri score is my favorite film score You know score it's a great score when it's like you can hear just a couple bars of it and you know exactly, like, you know what I mean? It, it's so distinctive. It's not like anything. It doesn't, there's some scores and I don't want to name certain film scores that I can think of that are talented, but every movie they do, it's sort of the same thing they're doing with yeah, this their is very instrumentation distinct. and all of that and their arrangement. Exactly. This movie, like Star Wars um, with John Williams, like there's certain films that you hear just a little bit of it. Lord of the Rings, you're watching again. Howard Short's like, like there's certain things you're like, you know exactly what movie that is when you mm-hmm. hear it. And yeah, you can't touch the score for this movie. Yeah. And we have it on vinyl. You and found it in a record store. And not only that, it's just it like it feels like it fits the content of the yeah. like there's something that it's just there's, so well matched to the story it's exciting it's an exciting sounding score it invokes um i don't know a- adventure it builds it has it has those adventure moments adventure and hope yeah and, and it has those moments where it wonder. builds and builds and builds and then it has those weird moments where it's like bum, 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 yeah. and it, it it's just perfect and and and, and it just I, I don't know how to again i i can't articulate this the way i i, I want to right now but it fits the the story so well, and I again like I think if you if you pulled the score out of this movie, it would be like again, half as effective. Like you got different actors. I know it's like they really every element had to come together to make this thing as perfect and beautiful mm-hmm. as it is. Right. And I know there's something to be said for the fact that like there could have been a different film score, there could have been different actors. It might not have been a bad movie, even it just wouldn't have been the same. No, you know, no, definitely not. Um, I like the scene where um, he's back in time, and it says. They say, I think it was, was it his mom? Little Joey loves it in his playpen. He cries whenever we take him out. It's like, get used to life behind bars. Yeah, Uncle, Uncle Joe Joey. Bird Joey. Yeah, I like that. At the very, yeah. <laughs> and he's in his crib, like, behind the bars. They he do never such- wants to get out of his crib. He loves it there. <laughs> Better get used to these bars, kid. They um they do such a great job, too, of, like, setting up how kind of sad and pathetic Marty's family is in the beginning of the movie, where you just see that, like, his brother works for a fast food thing his mom's an alcoholic george is this complete fucking pathetic pushover Mm. you know it's 
Like his his life is such shit in the beginning of the movie, and he's still, that's why it pays off in the end when the, like the role well, reversal and that's happens. and that's like, and that, now Biff and that you see and that you see <laughs> that everything that he did affected the future in, in a positive way that he kind of made them all deal with a lot of the issues that that didn't get dealt with at that time. True, right. That because of that, it it pays off so great. I mean, if if George McFly didn't eventually stand up to Biff, he was going to be. You know, a doormat for Biff his whole life. This whole life, and Lorraine was going to be miserable, and his his kids were going to be, you know, discontented. It Mm -hmm. was like that. The idea of him going back and fucking things up so that he could fix them pays off in dividends at the end of the movie. It's just such a. But then, okay, this might sound really stupid. Now I'm just thinking about it, like because I know how it all shakes out when Marty goes back in time and the Enchantment of the Sea dance happens, and you know. Biff's basically date rape her in the car and then um what's his dad's name? George McFly. George McFly, right. George comes to the car to save whatever and punches him and all that. Like what was supposed to have happened in the original chain of events when cuz he still ends up marrying her but she's, you know, she's a less than enthusiastic. Well, the original, no, the original chain of events was that when she he, marries him, so no, it's like No, 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 but but the original chain of events that what 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 originally happens and she tells it at the beginning of the movie is he falls out of it? Well, he falls out of a tree, and the because he's a peeping tom, <laughs> and, and that's the whole thing. And she says to him, "She's like, what were you doing, bird watching? What, Lorraine? What?" But the whole thing is, he falls out of the tree, and the dad hits him with the car, and she feels so bad for him that that she starts to date him. When in actuality, when Marty goes back in the future, that's what happens to him. He pushes him out of the way instinctively to try and yeah, help him, and right. then he gets hit with the car, right. and, and now he becomes he the becomes the, the love interest, yeah. but. But it would have never even got to the point where, you know, Marty has to set that whole thing up in the car at the end because she wants to go with him. So he has to create a scenario where like, all right, I'm going to take advantage of her. You mean you're going to go touch her on her? No, no, George. That whole set of circumstances is like a new set of circumstances that wouldn't have happened had George gotten hit by the car. She just would have. He no, would I understand have, better. The Florence Nightingale effect. Like, yeah. I think Doc calls it that at one well, point. Yeah, that makes sense. All right, why don't we take a, a quick break? We'll come back and do some more highs and lows. Or if there's any lows. I think I gave mine. I'll say it for the end. I'll say it again. Okay, well. I do have one. I'm glad I have one low. I'm glad I do have one low. Just to be fair and balanced? Yep. All right. I totally do. I, you know, it's funny because I remember seeing it and I didn't like it, but I didn't write it down. It just didn't occur to me to write it down, but like, yeah. I should almost focus more on what I don't like because there's so many things to like about mm-hmm. this movie. All right, cool. We'll be right back with some more movie high low. Let's um, let's talk a little bit about. Favorite scenes in the movie. Do you have a favorite scene or a couple of favorite scenes? I mean, the scene where Doc is in the high school with him, with Marty and his parents and like seeing the whole thing and um, the whole rhythmic ceremonial ritual, whatever and all that. Yeah. I mean, that's funny. Um, He's got that great line. I love the Van Halen scene. He puts Van Halen in the tape because that fucking the Walkman yeah, or whatever. Yeah. yeah. The, um, it's Van Halen and he, and he thinks it's like... Aliens or something. I don't know. He's got he's got the great line in that scene where um when Marty when Marty keeps saying this is heavy and he's like he's like heavy there's that word again. Why are things so heavy in the future? Is there a problem with the Earth's gravitational pull? What? Who doesn't love the scene where um 
George McFly goes to punch him in the face and like, you know what I mean? Like, oh, well, I, you know I, mean? I put that down. I put, I put down that that's one of the greatest uh, knockouts. I mean, that's the thing. He telegraphs. I mean, the fact that he connected with that hit at all, that mm. that punch is so super telegraphed that he's really <laughs> lucky that if he admit, I mean, I think I think part of it is Biff is looking at him like, this kid's clenching his fist. Is, yeah. is this kid really going to punch me? Because the, like the, the right. That's like, coming. I know he's like, that's coming from like around the corner. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I know he spins when he does it too. Well, that's, and that's, and that's the great, that's the best part of it. Is he when throws he just, his whole dorky he, body he into he it. flings them all around and he hits yeah. the ground. And it's the, I do actually music. like as a whole, I do like the enchantment under the sea dance. When I think about it too, like, um, I love the music and stuff, but I like, um, the scene where it's like, he's calling his, uh, uncle Barry Gordy, you know, or Chuck yeah, Berry. No, it's yes. Chuck Berry's Barry Gordy. It's Barry Gordy. No, it's, no, it's Chuck, Chuck Berry. Okay. This is your cousin, Marvin right. Berry. Barry Gordy's Motown. Okay, right. Yeah, exactly. Marvin Berry's like, well, you know that new sign you're looking for? Well, listen to this. And so, it's like Johnny B. Good. I mean, it's so good. The Johnny then, B. Good the Johnny B. Good scene is probably Our wedding, we had our wedding band do like all the songs from yes, the movie too. So yes. it's a lot of fun. Johnny of. B. Good scene's probably if I had to pick a favorite scene in the movie, that's probably my favorite mm-hmm. scene. Because that was I, I literally remember that was like the thing. I that, like the very last note he's playing, he's bending the pitch on the guitar. Well, that he, he just and he over- just kind of stops and looks at everybody, and they're all like, <laughs> he just overdoes it. He just he, know, he gets way funny. too into it. They're 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 with them for a while, and then once he starts getting into eighties glam yeah, rock, I know it's like it's all over. Right. Um, but the Johnny B. Good scene is probably shredding that fucking thing. Probably my favorite scene in the movie, just because I remember that that was I used to go nuts when I was a kid watching it. I remember that was the thing that made me want to play guitar. Um, obviously, like I love, I also love the scene when he first gets back to 1955 and has to convince Doc as to who he is and he has to go through the whole retelling of the story of him learning about the flux capacitor. You fell off your toilet trying to hang a, yeah. a clock and that's when you had the idea for the flux capacitor, uh-huh. which is what makes time travel possible. Uh-huh. And he goes through that whole thing and reconvinces Doc right. and then he shows Doc the time machine. He shows him the DeLorean that's been hidden and it's like he's looking at it like, oh my God, I built something that worked. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, I also love, this is like one of the cool things I I thought was really interesting because it becomes a big part of Doc not wanting to know, you know, too much about the future, but also clearly being aware of it. There's the one scene where Marty comes back from school and Doc has the camcorder that Marty was, was filming everything with when the, when he's showing him the time machine and they're doing the experiment. Um, oh God, hold on. So obviously the, 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 the introduction to the DeLorean and them showing uh, how it works, which is when you, the scene you were saying, there's going to be one of your lows where they put Einstein in it mm-hmm. and he sets and he sets the whole thing off and they're standing there as the DeLorean comes flying at them and Marty tries to get out of the way and he's holding him. You're like, no, 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 because he, he, he believes, he knows it's going to work. And when it zips by and disappears, when it hits 88 and you see the the fire trails, Mm-hmm. Like that's just that's just amazing. Oh, I know you love that scene at the end of the movie, right? Oh, I, I, I we got to talk about because that's because the last fifteen minutes of the movie is its own entire section of high for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do like the scene where the clock tower scene where like the cable is stuck under the tree branch, ah! and he's oh, like, God. Ah! Oh. <laughs> it, that, it just that just gives me. I just I just get like I get I get argent. It's like a matter of seconds that. he has, and then that happens. Like, but um, and he ziplines down it, and but no, but so. Uh. The, but so the, the the part where he's where Marty comes back and Doc is you hear him like you don't see it but you hear like he's rewinding the tape and it's oh my god they found me I don't know how they found me but they found me run for it Marty and he keeps and you're hearing 
and seeing that Doc is watching the clip from the video camera leading up to when he gets shot. So you can tell that Doc knows something bad happened to him. Mm-hmm. But when Marty tries to elaborate is when he's like, I, I know, can't, I, I can't, I can't know too much about the future. the future, right. you know, and it's, it, it, you know, that becomes a, a, a central part of the movie is that Marty is trying to figure out when is the right time and place to let him know. And he keeps looking at the photograph of him and his brother and sister and like, and then disappearing. The, the, well, he's disappearing. I always thought that was weird that I guess it makes sense that the brother disappears first. Why, he's the, oldest? the older brother. I I don't I in a weird way I always thought like thinking more on it, it that, that that Marty would disappear no, first. No, but I guess, else, I guess I guess yeah. It would and be then the, eventually he would. If right, it, and then you see at the enchantment under the sea dance right. that his hand is starting to disappear. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I love I love that scene. Um, obviously, you know the the whole the whole um, skateboarding scene where they crash where where Marty's getting chased around by Biff and the guys and. They crash in the manure. Mm-hmm. That's a, this is a total staple. I mean, there's so many, there's so many staples. The flux capacitor, 88 miles per hour, 1.21 gigawatts. The like, that's in, that's in the sequel. We uh, should talk about the sequels a little bit too. Um, well, I know one's in the Wild West. That third uh, one. I hate the third one. The third one's the one I don't want to remember. Is that the Wild West one? Yeah, it's the one where they go back to the West. They and then filmed. The chick from Step Brothers isn't the They filmed two and three at the same time because Back to the Future one was so successful. So Back to the Future one, when it ends and it says to be continued, that was added in the. It was added for the home video release. It wasn't right. actually in the theatrical right. version of the movie. It didn't say to be continued because. It, it, didn't know it was going to be successful. You, you know yet. what I mean? And also, and also, it's one of those things where like. Sometimes just like leaving the audience with, oh, they're going to go on another adventure is good enough. Mm -hmm. But obviously it was very successful and they made two and three. And I can say that I've always thought the original was the best movie. But I I can honestly say as a kid, two was my favorite one to watch. Even though I knew the first one was the better movie, two was the one that I liked to watch just because of the vision of 2015. Mm -hmm. You know, the the future, like how, you know. And of course it's still so, it's like, no. We didn't get any of it. We were supposed to get hoverboards and flying cars and power laces. But I like how older movies are like, it's not that old, but like, you know, old enough that their idea of the future still looks old. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it did though. Have, it like, didn't. Perms. It didn't though. I, 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 even now when I watch Back to the Future too, I, it's the. It you is a, have perms it's and acid wash jeans. Well, and yeah, the. I mean, the fashion, but the, but the, 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 the look of the future. Like they really created a, a an amazing 2015, and you know just all the crazy details. The idea of like the the jackets that that um, can, can you know instantly air dry and. Just all the little wacky idiosyncrasies that they came up with for that movie. I, just, I, I still it, Back to the Future Two. I still love to watch. I still think it's a it's a really really worthy sequel. And what makes Back to the Future Two kind of really interesting as a sequel is that it kind of, for for as good of a sequel as it is, it kind of commits a lot of the cardinal sins of of a of a bad movie sequel. Like the biggest cardinal sin a movie sequel can commit is that it is a retread of the first movie. And I don't think you can watch Back to the Future 2 and not immediately see that it's do like the the scene you know the scene where they're the skateboarding scene with Biff chasing him becomes the hoverboard scene. Mm-hmm. The whole Johnny B good scene is there. But the thing that makes it interesting and the thing that kind of subverts the way that they're kind of retreading the first movie 
is that it's almost intended that way. They, you know, the hoverboards becomes an interesting way for them to redo that scene in the future. When they go back to the Johnny B. Good scene, it's they're literally the characters are revisiting that scene in the movie. So it's Marty watching Marty on on stage. So they found a way to in a weird way, commit the cardinal sin, but at the same time, subvert it. Even like Crispin Glover, when they have old George McFly, it's not old George McFly, it's not Crispin Glover, like for whatever contractual reasons, he didn't get the money he wanted, so they didn't bring him back. But I remember watching that movie as a kid, not realizing it wasn't Crispin Glover because he's an old age makeup. It, mm. it, it, it almost doesn't need to be him in a certain way. Mm. You know, I go See, back. I remember those movies, I don't remember the sequels as well as you do, especially having not rewatched them. I mean, I, I've seen them like once or twice maybe, but I can't like. Really? We've only watched Back to the Future 2 once or twice? And three, together? I don't know. Not enough that I would. I three, mean, I'd never watched. And certainly not recently enough that I'm going to remember everything you're remembering, yeah. but. Yeah, two, I mean, like I said, two is still awesome and it's still a worthy that's the one where it's the hard way or the easy way the easy way billy zane billy zane Zane gets a little bit more face time and they do and that's the other thing too they do they redo that exact same scene when marty wakes up in lorraine's bed and he's like oh i had a and he thinks it's his it's his mother but he doesn't know that it's his young it's the young version of lorraine i had this horrible dream I, i went back in time Oh, it's okay. You're you're right here and safe in 1955. 1955, and he wakes up. It's the same exact scene in Back to the Future Two, where it's him being like, "I had this horrible dream," and it's like now it's it's the older version of them in this demented future. Um, but yeah, I mean, again, like I'm I'm not shitting on Back to the Future Two. I I fucking love Back to the Future Two. It's it's a it's one of the one of the good examples of how you can do a sequel well. But I just think it's interesting that it does borrow so much of the original plot. It really is retreading so much of the original plot, but it's doing it in an interesting way. And then the big the big advantage to Back to the Future 2, I think, is always the fact that it goes, it, it has that demented version of 1985 that they go back to. So you, you really understand the consequences of um, the alternate timeline. Like they do, and this is a little bit like, um, expository for the audience like they have to literally have Doc Brown kind of drawing it on a chalkboard to be like no we went back to right. this 1955 for those of you that didn't see the first and one and we changed it and because we changed it the 1985 that we're in now so if we go back here it's going to be the alternate ver- like we've right. created an entire new timeline yeah. and that took I mean they had to do that because that took a lot of having to wrap the audience's mind around it I actually just thought of something else that I did like too. Like small, I'm thinking of small things from the movie that I like when you ask like favorite scenes and stuff. Mm-hmm. I like when he goes back and he sees the homeless guy on the bench again. He's like, oh, Crazy drunk oh it's so good to see you. Like, you know, what I mean? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> whatever the guy's name is. But it's like, he's so relieved to see him because it's a symbol of. Well, because 1955 Hill Valley looks so beautiful and pristine, and right. 1985 Hill Valley just is is complete shit. Yeah, but he's like, like most, oh, this looks beautiful. Kind of like I most neighborhoods, you know. It's I like know. a lot of them have lost their luster. Even the town we live in now, we've joked walking around because there's a little clock tower and stuff, and yeah. it has that sort of small town Save suburban the clock tower. That's always vibe. A, so I'm like, it kind of reminds me of Hill Valley a little bit out here now. <laughs> yeah. The um, and I'm sure it was different in the 50s. The the last 15 minutes of the movie to me, and and I've I've always maintained this is like. That is, to me, what movie magic is. Once they leave um, the Enchantment Under the Sea dance, which again, like in in and of itself, is is an amazing sequence. But once once it's the the race to, it's actually a rhythmic ceremonial. The rhythmic, the rhythmic ceremony. <laughs> like, get but, your terminology. But right. once they once they once 
once it is now the race to getting the time machine to hit the cord at the exact right moment Mm -hmm. that lightning strikes the clock tower, that just becomes like one of the most exciting sequences in any movie I've ever seen. So suspenseful. And 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 that's like the, I said, whenever he sees the cord stuck under the tree, like oh you think God. he's so close and he goes, ah! Well, because because there's so much there's so, so much there's so much going on at that point in the movie where he's gotta do this just right. Don't worry. As long as you hit that wire with a connecting hook at precisely eighty eight miles an hour, the instant the lightning strikes the tower. Everything will be fine. He's gotta execute this exactly right. You got the music, you got Alan Silvestri's score that's just jamming at this point and like pumping all the energy into it. And then Marty, who writes him the letter and Doc rips up the letter and he won't look at it. And Marty knows, he's like, I have to, I have to warn him. And then the circuits break and he's telling him, you gotta, you gotta get back. You gotta get enough road so you can get back to, you know, 88 miles an hour. And he's got to get up on top of the clock tower and reconnect the circuits that broke. And then Marty's trying to yell at him to tell him because he's far enough away I gotta tell you about the future and he gets in the car and he drives back and the car stalls and Doc connects the circuits and he's and the fucking thing falls and he gra- thank god he's wearing corduroys because it grabs onto his leg and he can reconnect the circuit but when he pulls it it's it's too tight and then he pulls the wire at the bottom it's like that that I've seen I know exactly shot for shot what's going to happen but mm-hmm. every time I watch it You're like I, I, my heart rate yeah. is just pounding you yeah. know and it's and that's just a testament to how timeless that is, really as, is as filmmaking is that you just get and then the beautiful you know when he finally hits the thing when he finds when, when he finally when he finally hits the he, he connects the fuse it goes into the flux capacitor it disappears and it's the it's everything goes quiet and it's the shot of Doc running back down the street and, and it's you just, just hear that little bit of the that score. single horn it's just yeah i just get chills thinking about it it's just I think it's, it's perfect brings a tear to your eye every it, time, it, it's it? just beautiful it's it just it's like there's nothing that like it is cinema at its finest. it's and you know and again like Perfect i'm looking there. at hill valley and you can you know it's a fucking movie set and you know what this is a crazy plot but you, you're with it you you, mm-hmm. you you there's nothing about it that's false even knowing that it's a movie it just it there's something so emotionally satisfying about that last 15 minutes of the movie and then of course we get into the kind of the postscript of the film when Marty gets back and you see he, he of course he gets back a couple minutes before he sees um, Doc get shot. He sees the Libyans chasing after him and they crash after his after the DeLorean disappears. And then there's the great payoff of Doc Brown is now wearing a bulletproof vest and, you know. Marty's like, uh, you told me and you see that Doc taped together the note that he ripped up. Mm hmm. You know, right. and he's like, what, what about all that nonsense about, you know, not the space time continuum? And he, ah, what the hell? I know, right? Which is kind of like. It's like, wouldn't you write, a lot of people don't want to know what their demise would be. But at the same time, it's like at a certain point, would you be like, okay, I have to read this? Yeah. And not only that, but also it's one of those things where it's like, I have to know hey that. man, it's a really good thing those Libyans with the machine guns shot center mass and didn't like Go shoot you in head. the fucking face. because. Right. So it's, right. that's, that's one of those things that even like Doc's kind of like, ah, what the hell? It's a little bit of a, you have to kind of just go with it and say, okay, all right, you know, we want Doc to live. So this is, this is a nice payoff. Right. Um, Cause their relationship is so great. And then 
you know, now seeing that because George finally stood up for himself, he's so much better. He became a writer. You know, that was another great scene I didn't talk about when, when, uh, Marty's sitting with him. Talking to his dad at lunch and he's talking about how he's a, like a discouraged writer. Like no one believes in him. Or they think he's like, oh, weird. I write these. He's like, I didn't know you did anything creative. Mm-hmm. And he's like, can I see this? And he's like, no, I don't let anyone read my stories. What if they said they didn't like them? What if they, you know, I, I, I don't. And then he's thinking of his audition where he was told by Huey Lewis that he was too loud. And it's this, well, it's the same thing that, that he says to his girlfriend that he says to Jennifer when she's saying you should send this to the record labels. And he's like, well, what if they say they don't like it? What if they, I don't know if I can take that. Yeah. And he, it's a, it's a moment where he finally is like, I didn't know that you had a creative side. You not only that, I didn't realize we had this in common mm. and that, and that I have the same insecurity that and you And to have. be on the other side of the conversation, wow, I can tell that you should just go for it. Like, why would you be? And, con- and conceptually, it's such a, it's such a great concept to think about. You know, you only know your parents as your parents right. in the generation that right. they are now. If you were to go back to their day and observe them in their day when they were your or, age. Exactly. I mean, it, as it, a peer, it would fucking blow your mind if yeah. you really thought about I that. Know. It would be it would be really bizarre to see who they were Definitely. when they were the age that you were. Mm. Um so that's I'm, I, I, that's a concept that I don't think will ever get old. I'm just thinking of a fun fact too. Was it, were we on our honeymoon when they had was it Jimmy Kimmel or mm. something? And they we were on our honeymoon. We yeah. were on our honeymoon when it was October 21st, 2015. Is that what the date was? That's the date that they go back to in right. Back to the Future. And we watched it on TV and it was uh, Michael J. Fox and on Jimmy Kimmel. They did that, yeah. which was awesome. Which was yeah. awesome. But no, we were. It was the it was the anniversary. It was the tw- it was right. twenty fifteen. But I remember watching of, that. I was like, oh, yeah. look at this. Yeah, it was great. And they it both was, look old. But it doesn't matter. Yeah, but it's still. But that's what I mean. And people go fucking nuts because 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 they are one of the, the greatest cinematic duos of all time. Like right. Doc and Marty will. Our kids will watch Doc and Marty. Our kids' right. kids. It's a huge if, following. You know, they know. they will know who Doc and Marty. I know. Marty it's are. like there's certain Disney. I mean, I teach pre-K, so it's like it's funny to me when I see things that my kids are into that, like, oh, I grew up with that too, like The Lion King or Aladdin. But like, they know the old ones that we now, grew up on. Or this is what I will know? say though, and this is something. Hundred one Dalmatians. This is something that I really like. This is one of those movies that I think is really. It would be sacrilege if they ever tried to remake this. I'm surprised they haven't. I, but you know what I'm saying. I this feel is, like they remake everything. But this is one Nothing of those movies that there is there is no there there would be no victory to be had if this movie to be. This is one of those I, I movies totally that should see just them trying. It should just be left. And he'd be an, into dubstep. He'd be like a dubstep DJ, want to be DJ instead maybe, or something. I don't know. Even maybe. that's probably past. I don't know. But whatever whatever they. I mean, that will be the day. There are certain things, there are certain properties that really just need to be left the fuck alone. And this yeah. is one where, you know, we, we've we got the perfect Back to the Future. It, it is timeless. Even if it's dated in terms of it being from the 1980s and the music and the fashion and shit, like, there's no, there's no reason to ever remake this movie. Right. There's no, there's no good, untouchable. there's no good argument that it could ever be mounted that, oh, that would be a cool idea. Yeah. Oh, if we did it with these actors or. It's like. It's um, I don't want to say it's defamation. It's um, desecration, in a way. If if you were to do that, it'd be like desecrating the beauty and everything that this movie was in its purest form by trying to take it and remake it. And it's like you know, there's we've harsher seen, language I could use that I'm not going to use because I don't want to. You know. There's a lot of things I could say right now that I'm not going to say. <laughs> Again, I will say that for the Sopranos. It's podcast. like it's like we're not you know what we saw happen with Ghostbusters. There's certain things that you just like, you know. And I always love Ghostbusters, but. 
I always yeah. loved I always yeah. loved Back to the Future more than Ghost. Like Back to the Future to me really is hollow ground. Like right. it is it is so seminal and important and That's like who framed our drive with me. Yeah, and and I think everyone has an, there's certain there's maybe a one or two things that are real big touchstones or like attachments that you have. Mm-hmm. Um I just really I don't think this could have this could ever be done better. Um Absolutely not. Is there any and to other? do that would just be wrong. Yeah. I'm sorry. Like you just I mean, I guess you could equate to like song covers and stuff too. I mean, do you know, song covers? To say like there's some songs you just shouldn't cover no, or like a song that you would take and do in a different way is it taking away from the pure integrity of, of what the song originally was in some way. I mean, I guess depending on what the song the is. The one thing I remember hearing about, I remember reading about this a while ago and and this would be interesting, but even 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 still I don't I don't know that it's necessary. Is they talked about if they were to do a Back to the Future four, how it would be like there'd be another kid and Marty would kind of be like the new Doc Brown, and I'm like, okay, I mean, okay, but at the same time, I just I just feel like it would be, it's too much. It just doesn't. We don't need it. We don't. And I don't think we needed three. I love two. Um, I think we could. I think we could have ended with one. I love two. If we had ended on two, that would have been fine. I I. I, I'm one of those people I will never... You know they did three for a, a paycheck then. You know, it was a successful tr- franchise and they're just capitalizing on that. They wanted to bring it full circle with, with you know, now going to the era that, you know, where they go to kind of the immediate past, like 30 years, then they go into the future. And, and it's always go, a year that ends in five, isn't it? Uh, yeah. That it's 1885 yeah, 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 yeah. or something? 1885. And that's the thing is that like Doc Brown mentions at one point how that's one of the places you always wanted to go was to the Wild West, was to go to... So, I, I understand why they did it, and three really becomes more about Doc's story in a lot of ways. Um, but it just it just isn't... It's not a move... The way that if back you to You know the, enough about the characters that you need to know and want to know from the first... Like, to dig beyond that, it's almost like... I don't want to say it, like an invasion of the characters that you love privacy, but it's like... It's a perfect story, and to do more with it, it's like... It's like bastardizing it in a way, almost. I mean, I, I, the trilogy is fine as is. This is, this is how I, this is how I look at it. If Back to the Future One is on cable television, edited with commercials, if I catch it anywhere in it, I'm, I'm gonna sit down and watch it. Like I don't give a shit. Like it's just one of those movies. Like mm-hmm. I have to sit there. If Back to the Future Two is on, edited with commercials, I'm gonna sit down and watch it. Mm-hmm. If Back to the Future Three is on. Nine times out of ten, I'm I can click off. Like mm-hmm. it's not, it's just not one of those movies that I I have as much love and reverence for. Right. Um. And I, I just I just think it's kind of boring to be honest. Um. But all that being said, you know, I don't, I really don't think that. Um. I I I think that just the first movie in and of itself is self-contained, is kind of perfect and. Yeah, I totally agree. Amazing. Do you have any other any other highs? I did put it. There's a lot of pianos in this movie, um, and I like that. At Doc's, there was that old upright. Then there's the white piano when he returns to 1985. That's really, really pretty. Like the nice house, because, you know, like there's the whole thing where in the beginning of the movie you see in, in 1985, in the beginning, what his home looks like. And then at the end, when the chain of events changes and now they have this beautiful home and his dad is successful and Biff's the asshole fucking buffing the car Biff buffing you know whatever but they have the be- they had this beautiful came. white piano they had this beautiful white piano yeah. in the house and I feel like there was another one in there that I didn't write down but I was like oh I like all the pianos of course but um lows now Biff my one low is um you don't like the, they put uh, Einstein in the car in the door can I say it or can oh you? I'm sorry pardon me 
one of my lows, my only low. Um, I didn't really have it going into this podcast. And then I remembered, you know what? I didn't like that scene and I should make that my low because I didn't like it. Is that they put poor little Einstein in the car when they first introduced the DeLorean and what it can do. And I feel like he's almost like a test monkey or something like Doc doesn't mind if something bad happens to him. Well, it better be the dog and not me. It's better off the dog and not me. And to me, that's kind of shitty. I'm sorry. I think Doc knew it was going to work. Or I'm like, poor little Einstein. Yeah. I, think, I feel like he doesn't give a shit. No, I mean, he, he definitely shit. doesn't give a shit. Look, he's got an automatic automatic timer that's feeding him and dumping schlop into a bowl that's got old <laughs> schlop in it. Who knows when that bowl's been washed? He doesn't give a fuck. He's too busy to give a fuck. So I kind of feel like poor little Einstein is a little bit of a neglected, abused dog. I don't think to he's be honest. neglected and abused. A little bit. I don't know. A little bit. I think that's a reach. I think that I think one's that's a little bit one of a reach. flaw in Doc's uh, character. Well, Einstein was with him, so even though the the bowl was getting filled with stuff, Einstein was with him, so I'm sure he I was. I mean, when care I give Gizmo wet food, I make sure to clean it in between. I, know, I don't I just know. pile on. Doc, my, like most brilliant people, I'm sure. I'm sure he lived. Shit. I'm sure he lived a um a cluttered and kind of uh, chaotic life. That's what I'm saying the kind of life that lends itself to not being able to truly care about a pet or anyone else. So I've got I've got the very nitpicky one, but this one always kind of this one always bothered me a little bit because so. At the end of the Enchantment Under the Sea dance, there's a moment where he's where Marty is saying goodbye to to Lorraine, to his mom, and to his dad, George. And it's actually a really beautiful little scene because it's he helped them find their way to each other. I'm just happy for George because he's gonna get some action finally. He, finally. Well he was he was gonna get but now he's but now he's, he's his own man. <laughs> oh, sorry. Now he's his own man. And and the thing is, is that there's this there's this beautiful little scene with them. <laughs> I'm keeping that in there. There's this beautiful little scene with them where he, where he's um, kind of saying goodbye and they're and they're thanking him, you know, and and it's 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 more significant because of what we know versus what they know is that like how how hard that was to make that happen between the two of them, um, and that they found their way to each other and that they're better off now that they're gonna have a better relationship because of how they found their way rather than she just pities him because he got hit by the car and you know he's this pathetic piece of shit like he stood up for himself he became his own man but and and then he does the whole little there's the little joke that he adds where he's just like if you guys ever have an eight-year-old kid who accidentally sets fire to the living room rug rug, go easy on him you know and it's and the scene is fine he runs away we got to get to the DeLorean we got to and there's this tag there's this extra line that just doesn't need to be there and it's when the camera pushes in on Lorraine and she goes Marty such a nice name as if to imply, to imply. I like it so much that if I have a child, I would name it that. But I'll name my third kid. We're going to have a, a son, a daughter. We know girls named Marty. We personally know girls right. named Marty. And then a, a third, like the third kid is the one we'll name. Like it's, it's just one of those things where it, it doesn't hold up to scrutiny. Why You like that, like Marty has already inspired. Mm-hmm. He inspires rock and roll. He's the one that shows Chuck Berry. The one Berry. thing I'll give the benefit of the doubt to with that is that what about people that name their kids after themselves? It is not the firstborn. A lot of times it is the firstborn. Like my dad is named Robert and my oldest brother is Robert Gerard Simpson the second, you know. But sometimes you do see it happen in later children and, and it could be for a number of reasons. Like in that case, it could be because maybe you didn't think you were going to have more than one or two and, you know, you liked this name better than you liked naming the child after yourself or you liked this name at the time better than you liked Marty. And then by the time you got to the third kid, you were like, oh yeah, remember that Remember that Marty? guy? That's, see, I don't Like you I don't like that name that. Darian, for instance, right? What if we end up not deciding to name our son, our first son, if we have, you know, Darian, and then we have another one and then, okay, well now. But if there was, if know, there was, if there was some person in our life. To play devil's advocate. There was some person in our life that like made some kind of strange impact on us 
and and we're and I and one of us looked at each other like, wow, I re- Darian, that's such a nice name. It, it's just it's just it's just an it's like tag. It's just an extra thing, a little cutesy extra moment that doesn't need to be on that scene because it doesn't make any sense that we're gonna name the third kid Marty. You know, it's like it would it would be it like it would silly. be like that would be prevalent in their mind. Playing so that, devil's advocate, but yes, I, on a whole, so, you would think it would be the first child that would have that name if she likes it so much. And again, they like it so much. It's a, it's a it's a totally it's a it's one of those things that I had seen a thousand times before I ever even. It's a bit of a of nitpick, that. but at the same time, is it really a nitpick? It's a nitpick. It's a total nitpick. It doesn't hurt the movie, but it's just one of those things that doesn't hold up to scrutiny. I'm saying the more you think about it, it kind of Marty's the youngest child. You, if 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 the whole cute moment was, look how Marty, you know, these kids are are riding around on these stupid, um, not tricycles, whatever they are, but he rips the thing off and invents the skateboard. Right, Marty invented the skateboard. Marty invented. Rock and roll because he's playing this awesome jam and Marvin. He invented John F. Marvin, Kennedy. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? If every if, if it's all the these it's John all these cute, it's all these cute little moments where Marty did something that has a bigger impact on the he future. Invented Calvin Klein underwear. He's, he invented Calvin Klein. He invented reruns. And Van Halen. He invented he's Van Halen. He invented in Darth Halen. Vader. He Who invented Sammy Hagar. <laughs> Planet Vulcan. Right. All these little cute moments, and it's like this one extra one that doesn't make any sense. Where it's like, yeah, Marty. That's a great, you know, again, just a little, a nitpick. But here's another one I always think about. If Marty's, all of Marty's exploits in the past create a completely different future for him, right? When you look at Marty's, at the beginning of the film, and you when you look at the beginning, Marty's clearly coming from like a lower middle class family, you know? His mom's an alcoholic, his dad is probably like a lower middle manage a lower management type of guy they got a shitty car when he the future he comes back to he's got a pimped out house his that's dad, what i was saying his and dad beautiful bought white him, piano in it yeah his beautiful white piano so here's the thing his entire life because of what he changed in the past because right. of, because of the family his dynamic being a chump to a champ do you think that marty would have had the exact same kind of life that would have led him to have met doc brown if think about it like no, this, no, I know. Think You're about right. it like this: Marty, Marty's a lower class kid or a middle lower class kid who, who's on the fringes and meets this kind of weirdo guy. Which is why he relates to him, you know, who he gets along with. What else am I going to go home to my alcoholic if, mom and my miserable, miserable exactly. family? If right. Marty, if Marty comes now from an upper class family, don't you think Marty would be wearing a cardigan like, "Who's this white haired lunatic?" Sorry, buddy, I've got my own four you by make four an to interesting drive. Argument. And if that the happened, nature versus nurture debate. And here's the and here's here's this, here's the other part. If that happened, if all of a sudden Marty in the future, future version of Marty never has the circumstance to meet Doc Brown, well, then he never goes back in time. And if he never goes back in time, he never changes George and Lorraine. It becomes this cosmic loop where is time really changed? This is the thing about time travel movies is that the there's always a pin you can just pop that balloon so easily right. because of the how smallest thing. fragile I sneezed right now and that changed the course of events. Everything, everything changes. So again, that's, that's one really of those scary. That's one of those things that you can't think too much about because if you start to go down that path and think like, well, if Marty never meets Doc, like does does the circumstances of Marty's upbringing in this new family dynamic change the fact that maybe he would ever meet Doc? I think it's a fair argument. It could go either way, but it definitely yeah, I mean, it seems like it could be a hindering factor in in him developing a relationship that he had in the original storyline or timeline. Yeah, with Doc. 
So that is a uh, not a plot hole, not a plot hole, um, but a uh, certainly food for thought. I would say Back to the Future fans rewatch Back to the Future, get to that last scene, look at the Marty McFly that you're seeing now and the Marty McFly homestead, how it's changed, and ask yourself. Would Marty McFly's life have changed significantly enough that he may not have ever met or become friends with Doc Brown? Mm. Something to think about. Um, Did you have any other ones? The car's wrecked. What's that? And then karma's a bitch, Biff. So, no, because at the beginning of the movie, um, Biff crashes George's car. Mm -hmm. And Marty comes home because he's going to borrow the car to go out with Jennifer. So he can, like you said, he can get knuckle deep. But, (laughs) But the point is, is that is when he when he I was gets saying, yeah okay I was saying more about George and Lorraine though no but when I'm at the beginning at the beginning of the movie he's 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 yeah. gonna take his they're gonna go out to the lake yeah and he's gonna borrow his dad's car when he gets home he's seeing his dad's car being towed and that's when Biff is standing there and he's going oh you know uh, I crashed your car I spilled beer on myself you know what, what's wrong with the blind spot you didn't tell me about the blind spot Biff crashes mm-hmm. George's car so now right. there's no and that's why he's mad he's like Dad I was gonna borrow the car and he's like I know son but I'm sorry. Yeah. Piff's my superior. You know, he's doing that whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, at the end, when when now and then the whole beginning is that Lorraine is like, I don't like her. I don't like Jennifer. Well, who, what kind of girl calls a boy? And I don't like, you know, at the end of the movie, she's like, oh, Jennifer called for you again. I really like her, Marty. Are you going to take her out to the lake? And he's like, well, the car's wrecked. And they're like, the car's wrecked. And they're freaking yeah, but out. Yeah, when you're riding high and have a nice house and making good money, your outlook on life changes. Oh, she's a nice girl versus fuck that little bitch. Right, right. But the four by four that he sees she's is fast. in- is in the is in the garage. He, that four, but he sees it at the beginning of the movie. He's like, "Oh, look at that! Wouldn't that be awesome to have that car?" And that's the car that he has at the end of the movie. That's his car, right? That like his parents and bought then for him. And that line comes back, and it's like the tables turn though, and it's like Biff is the asshole, and he's buffing the car, and yeah, and, and, and a, bitch, a fucking in a fucking jumpsuit, just like <laughs> putting on my second coat, Mister McFly. Yeah, and the very last thing I wrote that I liked as a high was, well, maybe we should be doing that because we already did the lows and highs, but whatever, um, is one of the last lines in the movie where, roads. you know, we have to go back to the future. Yeah, no, that line's good too. Where are we going? We don't need roads. But um, where he goes, I have to tell you about the future. It involves both of you. It involves your kids or whatever. And they look at each other like, I like that. Yeah, it's about your kids. Like, I guess we're going to have some kids together. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, I can understand Marty getting in the car because he, you know, I, I like the line where he's just like, what happens? What do we just become assholes or something? Mm. Um, but he knows the time machine. He knows all this shit. Like Jennifer's coming into this totally clean. Like, who's this guy? And what's this car? Right now, could I just say he's kind of, it's a little bit unrelated. What? I'm thinking of the whole scene in um, Knocked Up where it's Seth Rogen and fucking <laughs> yeah. um, Paul Rudd talking about. He's yeah, like, what's that, the, who's dog? What's a DeLorean? You know, yeah. like I'm gonna stick you my DeLorean and gun it to 88 miles an hour. <laughs> like, oh. That'd be a deal breaker. Yeah, that'd be a deal breaker. No, but it was me. a funny little scene too. It's like you know, the, those guys or those characters at least. I mean, who knows how much Seth Rogen and Paul really like Back? They probably do. They they seem like people who probably would appreciate Back to the Future. But yeah, everyone like, appreciates. Back you know what the I mean? Future. It's like those characters in that movie. They'd appreciate this podcast. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I'm sure. Well, that was Back to the Future, uh, one of the greatest movies of all time. Hands down, yes. one of the best. Um, let's do the coin toss, and what, should we say what our highs and low, high or low would be? Well, we've first? got we've got we've got a we've got a, a, a we've got two different re- requests, but let's let's see what we get, and then we'll read it. All right. Okay. Tails. Aww, we had we low. had we had a good streak. We had the three. Too often now, I find that the lows have things that I still I have more highs than lows because I'm just. <laughs> 
endeared to the Well, you're not going to you're not you're not going to for this one. I'll tell What's you that right now. now. We're breaking a three streak high. That's our highest the three three highs in a row. Um, all right. So Jen writes. So by the way, everyone, please write in uh, to moviehilo at gmail.com or hit us up um, on Instagram or Facebook at moviehilo, all one word. Um, and let us know if you have any recommendations for higher lows. We're going low for the next episode. Um, Jen writes in, she says, when it comes to lows, romantic comedies tend to take the cake. And of all the romantic comedies I've ever seen, none are quite as awful as early 2000s J-Lo, Ben Affleck, utter piece of garbage, Geely. It's turkey time. Oh my God, it is turkey time. <laughs> gobble, gobble, gobble. You gonna play your thing? I, nobody that that went that went totally under that should have went viral uh mm-hmm. if you go to movie i think you're blaming on the alcohol mad men thing should have gone viral yeah but. there's a lot of things that should have gone viral we should have gone viral uh maybe next week's episode will go viral you know what went viral do, coronavirus That's you know went viral <laughs> i know you're not kidding i should be laughing um so next week we're going to be doing this is this is bizarre martin breasts geely Martin Brett, his well, first of all, his name's Breast. Second Put of all, director in a bra. This fucking guy directed Scent of a Woman. The guy, saggy breasts. The guy that directed, <laughs> the guy that directed Scent of a Woman's breast sagged so bad that he made Geely. The same guy, and he quit making movies after that. By the way, so, so um, he did Scent of a Woman. Yeah, Al Pacino. Yeah, I'm in the dark here. Yeah. I'm in the dark. Yeah. I'm in the dark here. Do you understand? I'm in the dark. Went from that to uh, it's turkey time. Um, oh boy, well, it's going to be turkey time next week. Well, everybody, That's thank you. The mic stand just bracing itself for that. Yeah, podcast. ready, ready for. Um, oh god, it's speaking gonna be, of sagging breasts, the mic stand is being. And sag. I think that movie's like two hours too. I think some flowers are starting there. Fuck. Okay, it's well, two hours. It's it's a long piece of shit. I've only watched. I remember watching it once back then when it came out. Like to see what everyone was talking about to be like is it really this bad and being like wow it's really it's really is fucking bad but now we'll get to revisit it again and see if well, it it's supposed really... to be when like ben affleck and jayla were dating and like well people I think were just sick in the them. beginning of the relationship or yeah. i don't know something people like... it was partly the tabloids people were just kind of sick of them as a couple but like i remember the movie being very bad not like just not being a good film but we'll see i mean it's been it's been over Almost. It's Ben Affleck. It's it's Ben Affleck. It's been almost. It's been almost. <laughs> we should talk about the movie. We just watched them as the alcoholic. That's pretty we good. should. Well, we could. Well, we'll talk more about Ben Affleck next week, especially like his. Uh, Man, Ben Affleck is naked in my bed. Ooh, somebody must have been an extra special good poopykins. All right, save it. Save some of it for next week. Okay. Um. All right. So thanks everybody for listening to this episode of Movie High Low podcast. Oh, Ben, you are so perfect. <laughs> Sorry, I'm getting excited for it now. All right. Good. Thanks, everybody, for listening to this episode of Movie High Low, a podcast discussing the best and worst cinema has to offer. We'll see you next week with Martin Bress G. <laughs> His name is really Bress. Bress. Is it B-R-E-A-S-T-S? Marty Boobs. Is it B-R-E-A-S-T-S? He must have gotten so much shit growing up. Yeah, That's probably. why he became a director. Yeah, you'd have to. He's used to putting up with shit, He's... overcoming adversity. <laughs> Marty Tits. All right. We'll see you next week. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Bye. Grandpa hadn't hit him, then none of you would have been born. Yeah, well, still don't understand what Dad was doing in the middle of the street. What was it, George? Bird watching? What, Lori? What? <laughs>